Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty and the Pharaoh, only seen here out of Indie Music TV, straight out of Ron Kakama. At the board, our producer, Abe. Abe, how are you, my friend? Doing good. How you doing, brother? Doing great. And on the other side of the computer is my beautiful co-host, Miss Daniela Petro. How are you? I'm good. I'm getting ready for a Halloween party. I'm going as a raver. Really? Nice. First of all, I got to tell you, I do enjoy your weekly outfits. This is kind of becoming a thing. And I forgot to bring I know, some and liquor I love to drink. Halloween. <laughs> I had to like spray tan to get dark. I was like, God damn, I'm white wearing no clothing. <laughs> Dude, you're into the Halloween thing, huh? What is, what's that all about? What turns you on to Halloween? I think it's the fantasy of like dressing up and like being something that you're not like I, I love that like I love the the cluster of it I just love it when you were a little girl did you dress up a lot is that where this comes from or is it yeah yeah and my mom was really big on homemade costumes so even with my kids we don't we don't buy store costumes we we put them together and make them so and you do you do have a skill with that. You do dress very well. I mean, I've seen you sent me some pictures. I've seen some of your videos. You've got a uh, talent for fashion for sure. I think it's like just that creative side of me. Like I see something, I get a picture of it, and then someone's like, "Get me as close as possible to that," and I do it. And I'm I'm I actually went to the store today to get my Medusa costume, hmm. and I tell you. It's going to be a good one. It's Man, going to I'm be excited. a good one. When you're done, just send me some pictures. Very cool stuff. we oh, got another awesome. great show. We've got the terrific Tom Brandy who's joining us after the commercial break. But I want to get some news out there. Uh, news out of the great city of Las Vegas. Teen Driver appears to intentionally hit 
and kill retired police chip chief sorry in viral video a laughing teenager appears to deliberately plow a stolen uh, plow a stolen car into a retired police officer in Las Vegas I don't know if you saw that they were in the courtroom laughing what are your thoughts I saw it I saw it on my Instagram feed I think TMZ had it up and that's disgusting like one just the fact of like this isn't grand theft auto we're not getting points for like you know who can my bodies can i run off the road but it's like to not know who that person is one it's an older gentleman he's in the bike lane you guys already just stole a car like it's it's disgusting it's so disgusting and sad and it's there's not even words for it like the poor family of this man like to like go out that way and then it's all over social media his demise like how he how he how his life ended like uh, and and they had no that. remorse i you, you and i was speaking earlier right and i'm like i said to danielle i'll reveal what we were speaking about i said man i feel like i'm really getting old i'm falling behind it has life changed is this something your your age is used to now is this the way of life now we treat human life with no decency i mean what what's this all about those are children i am not a child those are children that's that's and no what is sad though is that like anything whether it be a confrontation um a celebration like even People, how they do like their their gender reveals. Like we had a baby shower and that was it. Now it's gender reveals and like what's gonna be the biggest showstopper on how I'm gonna show everyone what kind of baby I have. Like I'm gonna have an alligator bite a balloon, and it's the same thing. Like I'm I'm committing a, a crime which is on camera, and then I'm also gonna commit a murder too. Like that's it's the generation is disgusting and it's not my generation. It's my son's generation. Mm then that's what's scary is the documentation of every little thing. And I'm guilty when it comes down to like entertainment. I'm, I'm not even going to lie. And even my personal life, but it's just like now just the acts of violence. It's like, it's like almost like watching Saw in real life. Like it's disgusting. I, ne I never asked this uh, of you before or asked you this question. Do you believe in God? Uh, you know the rules. You're not supposed to talk about religion, politics while you drink. <laughs> That's what we're all about, man. Answer to the best of your um, ability. Don't answer at all. It's just a question. I believe there's something bigger. I don't know what, but I, I definitely wouldn't say I believe in God, but I definitely think there is something bigger than us. That's how I feel. Okay. I'm just, the reason I ask that is when you commit this horrendous murder or you treat other species, man, animal, beast, right? This way, it, it leads me to believe that you have no fear, which means, and I hate to put it this way, then you don't believe in God because you, you believe however it ends, it ends, you're dead and you're going to get yours while you're here. You're going to treat people a certain way while you're here. You're going to hurt them while you're here. And well, you but, have but no... But that also, I believe that if anything, another way to look at it is that you 
should believe in something bigger or grander after we're all said and gone because of look at what kind of evil is surrounding us. I don't feel like this is, I feel like this is hell. And whether you do good in life or not determines on the heaven you get to because you are surrounded by such ugliness and dirtiness. And, and I feel that depending on what kind of person you are throughout your life will determine what your afterlife is. Are you going to be stuck in damnation, which is living on earth and live a long life as you see loved ones long and gone and you're 90 some odd years old and you have nothing to show for it or you're lonely or whatever. Like, is this your hell? Like, cause of the life you lived. So I, I just, I really look at it that way. Like I feel that that would show someone that there is something bigger and maybe there is a God because there is such evil out there that you can't have good without evil and you can't have evil without good. So. Well done. Well done. Woman designs 399 pound pumpkin that looks just like Taylor Swift for a good cause. Are we going Taylor Swift sway crazy here? Wait, like when is the T-Swift ever going to end? <laughs> like now she's dating that what's going to call it football player. <laughs> like, like the woman has literally went through Hollywood. Like she's dated every single person, actor, singer, athlete. Like it's just like Jesus. Just can't get, can't get away from the Swifties. <laughs> Could you imagine becoming so famous? I mean, look, you're, you're, I call you a social media influencer. You do a pretty, you do a really good job. And now you're on the show, of course, which we love having you. You get a little heat for what you do, right? A little bit. What do you think yeah. the heat Taylor Swift gets every day from the haters? I don't think she has to worry about it because she has the Swifties to a to attack her. When you have when you have a following like she has, you you don't need to worry about getting it. A queen doesn't hear the sounds of peasants. Right. <laughs> she has she has staff to do that. She has her followers to take care of. That. So you say one bad thing about Taylor Swift, you're getting swarmed on, and it's over, right? Oh my God, have you ever seen someone like ever bash? Like, look at how like her fans went for Kanye. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like literally, like you cannot. The Swifties, they'll come in for you. Like. They'll, they'll come. Man, so need, I think Taylor's good. We need more Swifties like, on this show. No, that wrestler, there was a guy from WWE that made a comment about Taylor Swift, and he did a thing on X, yep. and the Swifties went after him. They, <laughs> they were like, <laughs> And she's a cat lady, too, so you know their claws are out. Like So that's what I'm saying. She doesn't even have to worry about even like batting an eye or Having a teardrop, she's like, my Swifties will get them. Their day will come. All right, I want to get to our guests, uh, get through what's coming up. Um, by the way, you've had some really good-looking guests come on. This guy is going to top the list. I know you're possibly seeing a guy now, and he's a very good-looking guy, but I got my money We're on We're talking. We're All right. talking. We're All right, talking. You're, uh, you're on the beginning stages of a possible relationship. Is that yes. fair enough? Relationship is a very strong word, but sure. <laughs> okay. So the gentleman I'll be bringing on may just shake that tree. That's how good looking he is. So, but we'll see. November 11th. I'm sorry, Joe. 
November 11th, <laughs> if everything works out, you're going to come to New York and you're going to be live in studio as we interview Paul London, Magnum TA, uh, Bad Company, and the Nasty Boys. So we got we got we got four interviews. So it'll be it should be pretty nice good. Nice lineup if, right there. If everything works out, we won't get into it, but we're, we got our fingers. Remember what crossed, I told right? you. Put it into the universe. That's it. I'm trying. Put into the universe what we want back. I'm so. trying. You're right. I want to thank the band that sings the theme song for Monty and Farrell and Jimmy Farrell, who now is in Florida, as we all know. And Jimmy informed me that he is now uh, enjoying the beautiful life in Florida where you live. He really does love it. Um, Because why wouldn't you love Florida? Hello. Uh, yeah, I know. Jimmy, along with his partner, Bark Rings, make up the band Wisteria Hall. Wisteria Hall sings such great songs as In My Dreams, This Life, and Not Far Behind. Here Comes the Rain. You can find their music on the Wisteria Hall YouTube page, Spotify, Apple Music, and Reverb Nation. Monty Nefaro can be seen on the Monty Nefaro YouTube page, Facebook Live page. Hear us on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Anchor, where all audio is found. We're also on Twitch TV, and in New York, we're on Channel 115 every Tuesday at 9.30 p.m. and Saturday at 11.30 a.m., and Channel 20 Tuesdays at 7 p.m. We're also part of a free app. It's called the Intuitive Network. That's I-N-2-U-T-I-V-E Network. I actually think I spelt that wrong because I'm reading it off the wrong prompter. That's right. I read off of prompters. Where, where the <laughs> Intuitive has... Uh, dramas, video, music videos, comedy, everything, and it's free, guys. And if it's free, Just download. It's That's free. it. It's free. That's right. And where are the headlining show on that channel? We'll be right back after this commercial break, where we have the great Tom Brandy joining us. Okay, let me get prepared for him. Uh, and that should be the commercial break there, Abe. Sir? Ah. Manscaped? Uh-huh. Uh, you know, have you tried the new equipment that's been sent? I'm afraid because it says weed whacker. I'm scared. Maven, Manscaped. What are you thinking about Love Manscaped, it. dude? You Love it. it. What do you use it for? Necessity. What don't I use it for? Put it this way. <laughs> the only hair I have on my entire body is these eyebrows. Yeah. That oh. you see. These wow. caterpillars racing to the middle of my nose. That's it. That is it. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I have. And that's all I want. That's the So bit. Manscaped there, is you, a must. We were talking before the show. There's nothing worse than just hair. Yeah. Right? Hair on a woman, hair on a man, it's just bad. Absolutely. And it's the one thing that the older I get, it starts growing more in unwanted areas. Absolutely. I hate it. I'm going to ask you a question. Uh-oh. Just going to go out there. Oh, boy. Go for it. You're doing a deed. Yes. <laughs> Again, I don't want you to have to admit this because we, as men, we try not to admit this. But if you're going to oh, go do I the deed it. on a woman, I know would you rather have her be hairless or a little hair racing stripe or <laughs> racing stripe. full retro bush <laughs> racing well, stripe. retro bush is out yes thank you retro bush is out yeah um i don't mind a small well manicured landing strip 
every now and then, if it's completely, and I'm talking like baby's ass bald, mm. then I, I start, where is that pedophilia line? That I'm, that I'm, I don't, I don't wow. want to wander into that. That's very interesting. Like that. I never thought about wow. that. You're a smart dude. Holy yeah. shit. So if the landing strip is clean enough for the plane to go in smoothly, you're cool with that. If the landing strip is, has, like I said, well manicured, yeah. you yeah. can see both sides. It's not like blinking lights on both sides of that. Landing? I just don't, I don't want, <laughs> you know, I don't want the shrubbery going off into yeah. unwanted areas on that. Gotcha. As well. Oh, yeah, look but, what you found. Ooh. I got to be all gotcha. honest though. Hey. Ah. <laughs> the older I get, though, I don't. I think I don't think I can be as. Uh, I as, found it. Have, I found have it. Have you ever gone down there and like just like you, she slowly brings down the underwear? Then what is retro? Just Absolutely. Retro? You're like whoa. Wow. Yeah, like a forty-six. Like it pops out. Do you like walk out or what do you do? No, I, try, I muster through. I muster up the courage. Yeah, it is a trooper. Yeah. He's a trooper. <laughs> Gotta give him an yeah, ace. Not all not all heroes wear capes. Yeah, I, there you no, go. I hear you. Uh, listen, can't, I couldn't. I couldn't Super bush. I couldn't say it. Well. If you have the same beliefs as Maven does, Manscaped could help you. Absolutely. The weed whacker. Absolutely. What are you thinking? I'm thinking that I may have to, like, you know, go in a room, close the door, and hang out with the weed whacker for a little while. Yeah, I think you're a retro guy, aren't you? I like 70s adult films, if that's what you're getting at. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, but with that, Ron we're going to take a quick Batman. commercial break, and we'll be back with this wrestling icon, Maven. We will see you in a dropkick second. Uh -oh. A dropkick all right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty Nefaro, where we're welcoming our guest, the great Tom Brandy. Tom, thanks for joining us, brother. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been a while. We're trying to put this thing together, right? You ain't kidding. The, you know, we were talking before the show started. I, I didn't realize the Phillies lost until yesterday. And the first thing I thought was <laughs> you, man. I knew you were pumped for it. And I was like, damn, man. Yeah, I know the, how it the feels. in a major hangover. <laughs> major hangover. Stop bringing out such good-looking guests. Jesus. <laughs> there goes you know, he's, Joe. he's wearing a hat, too, Bye, man. The guy, the guy's got a good head of hair, too. I've been telling you. <laughs> coming, listen, coming off the news that we're reading about, Tom, right? Is the world just getting worse, dude? Well, I don't try and watch the news but i saw the shooting in maine and i love when they say oh you know the killer's still on the loose like where's he like where is he is he hiding under his mom's like couch or something you know it shouldn't be that hard to find the guy it's it's ridiculous with all yeah, of our technology. Again, they're gonna find him it's like everything technology. else such a disgrace it's so sad. Twenty, you know. Imagine if it's somebody close to home, somebody a friend of a friend or family member. Twenty-two people. This guy wipes out for no reason. No reason at all. Do you do you think it's we're more ultra sensitive to this type of thing? Being that through social media, it's easy to find stuff out. Like I, I get it. This type of thing would have been known no matter what, even in the fifties, right? But. It just seems like you hear more and more and more of this stuff going on. Well, you're right. It, it starts with social media. So, like, you could hide from stuff if you don't watch the news, but you can't hide from anything anymore. I mean, it, it all – just think about, like, the last election. You know, it was just crazy. Like, I've, I don't follow politics, and I couldn't help following it. And then the whole COVID thing, it's just like – all the things that you'd see everywhere about COVID, like the news and everywhere in between. They had so many people brainwashed. And 
it was a serious, you know, living condition that we were in, but it just made it worse with social media. Anyway, you slice it, social media just, you know, blows everything out, out of proportion. Yeah, for sure. By the way, this is my co-host, Daniela. Daniela, Mr. Tom Brandy. I'm your future wife, by the way. You are? We're going to get... I was going to say that. You, you, beat, you beat me to it. So We're going to get married, and right now, this is my... You never told me about your co-host. <laughs> I wanted to surprise you. So I had a co-host. His name was Jimmy Farrow. He's been with the show a very long time. He's actually a creator. Jimmy, um, you remember Wahoo McDaniel, right? Of course. Jimmy um, started a relationship with Wahoo's widow, and they moved, he moved to Florida, and they're having a beautiful relationship together. And I You can move to Florida. Wow, that's, you're kidding, because he, um, I have her on Facebook now that you mention it, and it never, I never put two and two together, to be honest with you. Is that is that something new or it's been going on? Um, started probably late July and then he moved. I think August or maybe early September. And he just so he up. can't do like the show from party. Florida. What's that, Tom? He can't do the show from Florida. Well, you know. Then I said, "All right, well, he could do the show from Florida, but then I could ask this young lady to do a show with me." And I said, "You know what? I think I'll go with this young lady." <laughs> Daniela, are you, uh, where do you live in Florida? I live in Tampa. Does he live near you? No, he's about, what did I say? It was about four or six hours drive, Mike? I think yeah, it was about, about four or six yeah, hours drive. What's he, south of Miami? I'm in the better part. He's in Panama only... City, so he's at the top of Florida, I believe. Yeah, he's above me. Oh, I'm oh okay, he's the, okay, I got you, I got you. Yeah, because I got to yeah. know Florida. We come down for uh, we come down to Tampa every March for spring training, so I know I know the whole Tampa and Clearwater area. Really so he's good. gonna be visiting you soon. In March. I know you're gonna come and right. stay with me. You're my future <laughs> husband. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We've already established this. He already warned me. He's like, we have a good-looking guest. I know you're gonna fall in love, and I'm like, ah. There goes the guy I started talking to. Screw him. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. That's why you're wearing a pink outfit. That's why I thought you were wearing a pink that's outfit. Why, that's why I'm wearing the pink. I got pink everything on, even my sneakers. There you go. I need a good valet. Uh-oh. I kind of look like a, let's get physical. <laughs> that works. Olivia Newton-John. So I told you, Brandy, this would be a good idea coming on this show. I know. We should have never, yeah, we should have moved it up a couple weeks. You would have missed a Philly game for this. I know. <laughs> Well, I'm from Square, Pennsylvania, so I'm a now, now it would have been worth it. <laughs> wow. All right. All right, let's roll. Let's roll, Daddy. <laughs> now I'm like all flustered again. <laughs> uh, but we got to make sure that nothing falls out, too. <laughs> like, this thing is hanging on by your leg. <laughs> we'll let you know. Don't worry. Yeah, it, yeah let, he'll, he'll put the alarm up. We'll go like before this. It happens? After the fact that it happened. After. <laughs> All right, Tom. So I need to know how long have you been in wrestling? So I just told, like I just said, um, I just had my 38 year anniversary. Wow. And what's crazy is 
like that's a lot of years. Like it, it's it's it, it just blows you away when you really think about how many years. And you know now I'm at the point like I'm in the locker room with guys that I've wrestled way longer than they've even been alive. And it's it's kind of it's kind of funny, but it's like, you know. So I mentioned, we all could write a book. We all could write a book. We all could tell us our story because nobody else is going down that same road. It's, it's just like one of those amazing stories that you wish you could share with people, but they kind of had to be there in a lot of ways. They could kind of had to, you know, see it through your eyes. You've been in wrestling two years longer than I've been on this earth. <laughs> There you go. That's what I'm saying. That's amazing. That's it what I'm saying. Big, like, I'm in the locker room. Look at. What made you, what made you get into wrestling? What That's made you always get into been wrestling? my love since I was five years old. So, like, it was one where, like, I never even wavered. Like, I knew when I was a kid and I, I was, like, wrestling my brother in front of the TV on Saturday afternoons. I just always just wanted to be a wrestler. Like, it, it was nothing that I second-guessed. It was nothing that I kind of I ever grew out of. And, um, you know, like through high school and certain things, uh, you didn't know like how to get into it or when it would start, but you were, I wanted to be a wrestler. You know, I mean, right away, you join a gym, you start working out, you try and like, you know, you're trying to look good and everything. And supposed to, you know, you're trying to do the right things, but you don't know what, uh, you know, you, you don't know what the world has in store for you. You don't know, like, how far you're going to get, if you're going to get anywhere at all, you know. So I've been very uh, fortunate and happy with, you know, the opportunities. Like, everybody could have always done better. Like, yeah, you could say that about regular professions, too. You could have had very – you got a lot of success in your profession and still say, oh, I still wish I could have done this – a little bit more accomplished a little bit more, you know, in wrestling, it's like did a little bit more. And then you realize like all the guys that don't even get the chance that you got. And you're like, you know, kind of happy with it to a certain degree. I did all right. So, right? Just... Are you, so now, you're like a, you're, you're like a more, you know, what half glass full guy, like, Hey, you know what? I did okay for myself instead of, I wish I would have gotten more. Yeah, well, you know what it is? It's, I was fortunate, I, you know, wrestled for every major promotion, including Japan, had contracts, not just like, um, you know, like those developmental contracts, not, nothing like that. I had real contracts in all the major companies, you know, it never had to do with nepotism, never had to do with, because my, my, time in WCW and WWF were dealing with a lot of nepotism guys like, you know, Bill Watts was in charge and he was focused on getting his kid over and Dustin Rhodes and stuff like that. So, I mean, there was a lot going around nepotism wise and you say, you know what? I'm a kid from a, a suburbs of Pennsylvania that, always wanted to be a professional wrestler and make a dream come true. So like, you know, you, you wrestle in, in the middle, you know, you wrestle in Madison square garden in a sold out either house show or pay-per-view regardless. I think you could say you made it. You know what I mean? I think that's 
the crowning moment in a lot of people's careers. Not to mention everything else. That's just one. That's the mecca. You know, I was, I was, I grew up. We would go to the Philadelphia Spectrum every month, but the Garden was the mecca. Mm. The Garden was the place. You know, that was that was Vince's always his number one building forever. So. So you talked about that. You always wanted to do this since you were growing up. I'm pretty sure that most parents out there aren't like, oh, you know, I hope my son grows up to be a pro wrestler. How do you approach your parents and say, hey, mom and dad, I think I'm going to become a pro wrestler? Well, my dad loved it. My dad was there for the ride when we were going to wrestling. He took me to wrestling like my early teens, like early, like I probably started going around 10 um, we started at the Philadelphia Arena, Philadelphia Spectrum, made our way to um, <laughs> Allentown in Hamburg where they did the TV tapings, and then the Garden once in a while. And my mom hated it because she didn't want to see me get hurt, like what all moms typically would. And um, my dad loved it. He loved every bit of it. He loved every bit of it. You know, I grew up uh, Bruno San Martino being a full-blooded Italian is was my idol hands down you know not to be there was there was no second person after him it, it was him he was and you know he was my dad's favorite which made him my favorite which you know something that you know as a kid he was your idol i mean we all need idols you know we all need people to look up to and say that's i, that's, I want to be him someday and that's exactly the way it worked now, when you're in the industry, starting off, like, coming into it, you have to have, like, the right name. Chippendale Tom Brandy is, like, did you come up with that? Or, like, how did how did that go about? No, so, like, all the names, I think, were pretty much, all the names pretty much were given to me. So, we were. Don't get me wrong, Chippendale we were, suits you. Going by your picture, Chippendale hit the nail right on the head. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 38, 30, 38 years ago, right. Off the 38 years ago, for sure. Now, um, uh, we worked for a promotion at the time. They did a, a semi-steady um, schedule, uh, ICW in, 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 you know, the northern states, Mario Savaldi. Mike, I'm sure you know who they are, right? Yep. And they gave us the most work in probably my first few years. So, just came out one day on TV, probably. That's probably how it started. Tom, Mr. Chippendale, Brandy, and went from there. And each promotion pretty much gave me their own name. Each promotion pretty much. Um, Johnny Gunn was WCW, and Salvatore Sincere was WWF. So, yeah, they pretty much, you know, will recreate you or, you know, do whatever they want to do and make things a little bit different than what was what you did before. So for Halloween, you would have been an awesome Patrick Swayze, Chris Farley reenactment of the Chippendale. (laughs) (laughs) I know it was something where it was like, it was tough because like I was fine doing the character. It's just going into like, it was pre ECW and all that other stuff. Cause they're the kind of fans that would eat that up. They would chew that. They would destroy that. unless you were a heel, but I was a baby face. So it was one of those things where it worked for the time being. You know, I went to my first break was in Memphis. So I went to Memphis in uh, around 88 for Jerry Lawler as 
Tom Chippendale Brandy. I remember I, I still have all the promos and stuff I cut, like with Lance Russell and on live TV and everything. But yeah, the whole time I was there, I was a baby face as Chippendale. And it was good. I mean, those fans loved it. They weren't the, the blood suck seekers like ECW fans. They were just Southern fans that just love wrestling. You know, great place to, I to learn. If I would have came to that show, if I would have came to that show as a fan, hearing that name, I would have been so excited. Like, what kind of show are we getting? <laughs> it was good, Please, though. It was, it, like I said, it was, it was, it worked for a time and place. It worked for, you know, back then. It was, it was good for what it was worth. And then, you know, it was, is, is something where, you know, you bring the little Chippendale act into the scene. And then it was even better as a heel. Like, I, I mixed in a little bit of heel on certain shows. So, as a heel, it's, it's can't miss. But I was mostly babyface. That was the thing. I was, I was pretty much 99% babyface on all those shows back then. I'm a sucker for a babyface. I ain't going to knock it. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you though, so, yeah. you age like like a fine wine. I'm Going old. by those pictures that they posted, you look so I'm old. good. Jesus. If you're the old, if you're old, forget me, about you it. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know he's what? He's in like, his feelings today. He's feeling his age. We were having our talk about it. <laughs> wow! Thank, thanks for thanks for sharing, Danielle. Appreciate I'm it. Just saying, <laughs> he's talking Mike, about how old are you? How old are you, Mike? Uh, I think I'm. What are you? Fifty six, Tom. Seven. All right, so I'm probably like six months younger than you. And, I, you and here's the problem, though. You look like you're 40. I look like I'm 72. So that's the real <laughs> issue here. You know what I mean? You know what? People, people ask me all the time about wrestling, and I said, I feel like, obviously, that part you can't control. I, I would be lost. Like, I mean, my mindset has never changed. So, like, you still go to the gym most of the most of the days of the week. And, you know, I'm still wrestling probably about four times then? a month. Oh, my God. You know, I love when and, they put pictures of you guys. You guys are gorgeous. Look at you. <laughs> like wash. I feel you, like okay. I, you I could. Feel like, I hope you weren't single back then, because honestly, that would have been a damn crime to share you with anyone else. That was the fun about being single, like being a pro wrestler and being single. Oh. That was the fun of it. That's the um, trouble. That's where you get into trouble. You know, Tom, know. I've shown I've shown her about eighty pictures of me, and not once did she say, "Were you single back then?" <laughs> she could have cared less. Also, I'm, I'm not trying to get a phone call from his wife. <laughs> I have a wife on the show. She is the real wife. We gotta respect her. Uh, too funny. Yeah, but I feel like staying active in the business. People say like they'll ask me like, "How long are you gonna do it for?" I said. I've had the same motto now for a while. It's like, it'll be over one day, but that day's not today. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like if I could stay active a little bit, not go crazy still, you know, I feel good when I get in the ring. That, that makes you're in there, you take a couple bumps, and it feels like your weekly adjustment. It really does. Like, I, I feel worse if I go a couple months without having a match. I feel terrible. If I wrestle once a week, I feel great. So... Figure, figure that out. Figure that out to what it is. And, you know, you go to the gym, you know, four times a week or whatever. And 
you just you try and not let your body age. You try and just like stay on top of things if you can control it. How much can you control? So who you knows? Know, you've been around, right? Now you've seen the industry change. When you go in today's locker room, do they treat you with the respect that you deserve, or is it totally oh, different Oh, absolutely. Now? That's the thing about wrestling, that it's never changed from day one. Now, don't get me wrong. It's, <clears throat> you know, you, you're not, you don't know where every kid is trained, or you don't know where every kid comes from. But 99% of the time, you're going to get that respect and that's what I love about it. Like, I, I gave the respect when I was their age, and, and I'm getting respect now. And it's an unri- it's one of those unwritten rules. So I'm, I'm just glad that that unwritten rule is still part of the business. Because, you know, again, if a kid doesn't come up to you, it's more because he's, like, embarrassed or he's nervous or something. Not because he's being disrespectful, because he feels like he's bothering you. So it goes both ways. But, yeah, that's – that's kind of like what I see. But, yeah, but the guys are very respectful, very respectful still. It's good to hear. You know, I really don't see any kids. You paved the way. Well, you know what else? You made if, it. You know what? I can never get mad at a kid, like, either in the ring or in the locker room. If he's doing the wrong thing or, like, say he's, like, green in the ring, it's not his fault. Like, I can't get mad at that. We were all in that position one day. It's – the ones that, and this is very rare, it's the ones that might have an ego or an attitude and they think they're, like, too good or better than the next guy or better than the rest of the locker room. They're going to get, yeah, they're, they're, they're going to stick out like a sore thumb. But you don't see it much. I, I, can't, I can't even bring anybody to mind right now that really reminds me of that. It, it's just like if I a kid, <laughs> you know, if a kid doesn't shake my hand or acknowledge me or, or like, is 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 kind of dangerous or sloppy in the ring? It's only because he wasn't trained right. So I mean, that I can't get mad at the kid for that. Mm. So I just so let Tom, it go. I mean, I just let it go. I let it go. I don't I don't get caught up in it. Tom, tell me when you first get you get your first big break, right? You get you get WCW. That that's a that's a pretty big deal, and you you're pretty new to the industry, right? You're like five years in, I think, if I have my timing right. No, 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 no. I was. Wait, let me think. So that was so, so, so let's see, 85, 90, 92. Oh, yeah, I mean. Five, seven. Seven, seven. Seven-ish. It seemed like it was long. But, no, the first break was Memphis. That was around 87, 88. So that was a full-time territory. I was we wrestled, we wrestled uh, six days a week in Memphis. So, like, I went there. I still had to get better. Like I still had to, um, that, 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 that steady wrestling every day is the only way to make yourself better. Cause I didn't really come out of a wrestling school. The kids now they go to wrestling school and they're well tuned, tra- well trained after I should say fine tuned after a couple months of just nonstop repetition. I never had that. When I trained, we we're like in the backyard on mattresses and dirt and, and grass. The kids now have a, have wrestling schools that are, you know, again, they do all the drills and the drills and more drills. And that just makes them better at a quicker rate. Um, the difference for me was supply and demand. So because there wasn't any schools back then, I got on all the shows. Like there wasn't a whole lot of new talent. Um, it was a lot of older, like kind of stagnant guys that had been around. 
not a not a not a very uh, big group of younger guys getting into it. So like I was on all the shows because I was like the younger guy, which was great. Now if you come out of a wrestling school, you're competing with the other twenty kids in your school or whatever. So it's different now. So it's, it's a whole lot different. But yeah, like the first break was um, after after Memphis. I went home and then I got. Uh, Puerto Rico was 92, which led to WCW September 92. So they team you with – now check this out, Daniel. Wait till they put this picture up. They team you okay. with Tom Zank, right, two two really good-looking guys. I've heard you on other interviews with uh, about Zank. What what was your relationship with Tom? Tom was the best. He was the best. The only thing – what a talent. He was such a natural – talent like he could never have a bad match great worker like i love being with him because like we look similar similar builds and i can only get better being with him and we had great you know we wrestled uh pillman in austin and i just saw there's a one there's one youtube video it was against vader and orndorf and i had forgotten about it for a minute i hadn't seen it and then i saw it about about a year ago i guess and I'm like marking out, like I was excited to, because I I kind of hate watching myself, but that one there I loved, I I loved it. It was so, it was so much fun because I I really didn't remember a lot of the match, and once I watched it, I'm like, I was really I, I was impressed with just what the, how they treated us and how the match went and everything. But Tom Zank was great. He was a phenomenal talent. Um, Tom was just in a bad time when I got there, like he was bitter. He was tired of getting jerked around. He was tired of the nepotism. I went in there with an open mind where I really was excited. That was my first big break. I was so, so, so excited, but he was a downer being around him. He was so negative and he hated the company. He hated Dusty Rhodes. He hated Dustin Rhodes. He hated all the guys that were dated uh, Bill Watts. He hated Eric Watts. He hated anybody that got a push that they didn't deserve. And, you know, this this is after he was already, you know, multiple-time tag team champ and multiple-time everything. You know what I mean? He was was there for quite a while before I got there. And, you know, he made a lot of money in that company. He made a lot of money in that company when they were giving out guarantees and you're sitting at home collecting a paycheck. But, yeah, Tom was great. I just felt bad that, you know, his life, the direction it went and, you know, never got married or, you know, when he finally left there, he just went home and he pretty much just lived in his parents' basement in Minnesota until he died. Well, was, that's, a, you know, that's a question I have for you. What, what eventually led to his demise? Just bitterness. He just, I feel so bad because he was such an asset. Like he didn't want to do conventions. He didn't want to do appearances. He didn't want to do indies. He, he just would just I, – I didn't talk to him much after he moved back home maybe a couple times because I was busy. Like, I, I used that as a springboard, and I was so busy. Like, I got – I was booked in all Japan because he burned the bridge there. Mm. So they, they wanted a guy to team with Johnny Ace because Tom was his partner, and Tom burned the bridge there. They were never going to bring him back. So they're like, let's bring in Johnny Gunn. It's the next best thing, I guess. So I got a ton of work after leaving WCW before I got hired by WWF. And 
he just kind of like disappeared into his parents' basement and was never seen or heard from again, which is, it's a heartbreaker because he was, he was such a talent, man. I, I still like it. If a video comes up and I do want to, I do have to send Danielle, I got to send her. They, they did a van, a vignette for us. She would absolutely love. Um, it was a sharp dressed man vignette. And they took us to a, a like a, a, a suit, um, like a tailor, like a suit, you know, a suit store. And they hired like five strippers from the gold club. Um, Dallas Page's wife was a shot girl at the Cheetah Club in Atlanta. So she went out and got, they've hired five girls to be in the video. So Danielle, I got to, I got to send this to you. You'll love it. You will love Please it. Please do. I <laughs> love it. I still watch it. I still I still show people because it's one of my favorite things we ever did. Getting tailored. Now you, you have, I could already tell with just even that t-shirt on, you had an incredible physique then and now. I always ask this question. Back then, it was always rumored people used enhancements. Were you part of that trend? Because, I mean, you were, you were a Greek god from what I was looking at. And you no, you know, it's funny. I feel like... I never got involved. Like you saw, if you could just see, like you would know the guys that were like heavy into the steroids and everything compared to not. And like, I've kept my same build since I was like 1986. And I look back now and you say, you know, if I, if I took steroids, would I have gotten a better push or something? Well, that's all water under the bridge. Now I chose not to, I was always a big kid. I was always a, like, I thought that I had a pretty good presence and a decent look. And I just saw so many negatives that came from, from guys that were on steroids, including death. I just didn't go down that road. And my trainer, the guy that broke me into the business, King Kalua, you know, we were, we were, when we joined the gym together, when I met him back in like 84, we, it was, a, we belonged to a clean gym. We belonged to like, you know, guys, because there was another gym across town where everybody was on heavy, heavy, heavy steroids. And back then it was all like the untested stuff, like animal drugs, horse horse drugs. And a guy died there. And I was glad the, the, the road that I took, because again, I could show you pictures from now compared to 20 or 30 years ago. I always felt like I was in shape. I, I'm glad about that because it's easy not to be in shape. It's easy to add weight and get fat, and that's what I you didn't want to ever happen. So, well, no, but if you even look at a lot of them who you kind of are like, where are they juicing? You can see the whole change as you get older. That like you stay have a consistent built. And I mean, granted, this is going by a T-shirt that you're wearing, and we're seeing shirtless pictures from 20 years ago. But you still have that same consistent built. Unlike, I don't know, but like someone like Cena or Rock where it's like they were so jacked when they were on TV, but then I look at them now well, like... Well, I say it, I say it all the time, Rock. Frail, like... Well, what it is is like when you see Rock, he had a... Like we, we wrestled each other at least 40 times when we were there together because I was, I was the young... I was the heel. To, he was the young upstart that just needed ring time. So they put him with heels that could just lead him along and make him feel comfortable. So that was like, for me, I start, I, I was his first match. Um, and then we wrestled 
for a while, and then he moved on to like Al Snow. And then, so, you know, because they wanted him with, you know, guys that have been around just to make him feel comfortable and get it, just, you know, just experience. I mean, he was, he was a can't miss. But the thing that is funny about Rock, he's never, like, like when you hear about all these other guys, he's the one guy that's kind of skated through his whole career and nobody's ever talked about steroids. Here's a guy that's never gotten off. And, and you could just see it. Like, you don't, you, you look at him, it's not normal. You got to be like, Blind, not to realize it. He he had good size in WWF, but as he was getting his push, and then when he got into movies, oh my God! Yeah, uh, again, a blind man can see, you know, and that's and that picture is early on. Right. He only got more ripped, and bigger and bigger and bigger. And like I said, you don't look that way from just working out. You work out, and even if you're really really religiously working out. Your body only gets so big. Your body only is going to get so cut. Okay, Your well, then look at going... Cena. Cena looks tiny compared to how he used to look. Like, he right. looks like skinny and, like, petite. He, and I'm know, like, that guy some... used to be, like, monstrous. Like... Yeah, and you know what? Again, it, again, it, it is what it is. I but think I, most I'm people... I'm saying, giving you kudos, that, that's good because... You have that same consistent physique, even with the age and the time that you're saying you didn't use it. That's good because honestly, comparison now, twenty some odd years, you still look good. You haven't shrunk. You haven't gotten big. You have a nice consistent frame because you didn't tap into something that back then you're saying. Yeah, I I appreciate that. I appreciate it. And again, you always there's not many things that you second guess. Or I wouldn't even call it a regret. It just say to yourself, like, there were guys that were, were juicing pretty heavy, but it didn't give them a better push. So I think I looked at that, and I'm like, you know what? There's no guarantees. There's, ex, ex, you know, young guys, um, guys that are really trying to get to the next level, and they're definitely, they were definitely juicing. But it didn't – they didn't get a push because they looked better. And – I kind of went that route. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. I think I look pretty good. I'll just stay with what I'm doing. And that's it. And dude, you were exactly. you were a big guy. Like I was watching some videos against you against Wyndham. Wyndham was a tall guy. I mean, you were, you know, or you. Yeah, against- well, that's what I felt like. I felt like I had enough size. You know what I mean? Right. Like if Vince came to me and he said, "Hey, Tom, you know, put on 20 pounds and we'll make Intercontinental Champ," then I'm going to do it. Right. I'm going to do it, but that never happened. So I never did it. So, I mean, again, it's, it is what it is. Everybody makes their own choices in life, whether it's wrestling or anything in general. And, and you, you, you go down the, you, you pick your road, you pick your road that you want to travel and you hope you make the right decision. But you brought that up with Vince, right? Vince was a body guy. You are a body guy. I want to say this correctly. Why do you think you didn't reach your full potential in the WWE? Well, they completely control that. And I'll tell you a story that I tell anytime I do an interview because it's vital to the whole situation, storyline. So <clears throat> back, it was like May of 96 when I was finally hired. Um, get the call from Bruce Pritchard, make the arrangements to go to Stanford to sign your contract. Finally, my dream came true. Finally, I'm going to get to show the world. At this time, I'm 26 years old. 
and I'm ready to just go wild. I had more than enough experience. You know, by that time, I was probably like, you know, nine years in and beyond ready to go, beyond ready. So the day before I leave for Stanford, my friend calls me. He gets Dave Meltzer's kayfabe sheets. He goes, hey, you made Meltzer's sheet, but you're not going to like what it said. I said, well, what did it say? Because, you know, Mel, I'm used to it. Meltzer's just criticizing people. Nothing I haven't heard or I wouldn't be surprised. So he goes, he was reading it word for word. He said, uh, WWF has hired, because uh, they were starting a, another set of house shows, like B, B house shows or whatever. They needed more talent, veteran guys. Have hired Tom Brandy, Tracy Smothers, Alex Porto, Tony Anthony, and Bill Irwin to just above jobber status. So I said, talk about a kick in the teeth. I said, I waited my whole life to get an honest shot, to, you know, get hired, first of all, but to get, you know, let me, let me go there and give me a chance. And I'm already being labeled before I even, you know, go and sign my contract. And, you know, Meltzer's getting it from somebody. It wasn't like Meltzer made it up. So, you know, he's getting it from, from Bruce Pritchard or whomever was his leak, whoever gave him information. And I'm saying, you got to be God darn. I said, I said, this is my, I've been waiting my whole life and you're going to, you're going to go and tag me and label me before I ever wrestle a match. <laughs> so we go there. Everything's great. You sign your contract. You meet the other guys. Um, you can't wait to get started. You're going to be on TV the following week. Like, you know, that's way before NXT and all that other stuff. They didn't even have a training center at the time. So you go there the next week. You're starting TV. So well, it was a few weeks because they uh, sent me to a seamstress in New York City to, to give me my outfit. I, get, I got measured for an outfit. The hat, the jacket, the tights, the boots, everything. Some guys, like Alex Porto, they just gave him a uh, singlet. Tony Anthony, they tell him to wear, like, dress up like a plumber with a plunger. Bill Irwin was the worst rib of all of them. They made him wrestle in these freaking wrestling boots that were shaped like um, ice skates. And they came to a V at the bottom. And this guy had to freaking wrestle with these sorry-ass wrestling boots that came to a V, like a pair of ice skates. And then you had um, Freddie Joe Floyd was a rib. They came up with his name was a rib. It was the uh, Briscoe's middle name. Like, that, that was their middle names. It was Freddie, Joe, and Floyd, and that was Freddie, Joe, Floyd. I said, Tracy Smothers was one of the most respected wrestlers in the business. And they hired him because he was one of Jim Cornette's guys. A great, you know, Again, they used the term great hand. It's always used in wrestling. He's a good hand. He's a great hand. He's a good hand. It's a, it's a very common, commonly used term in wrestling. We were all good hands. So you come in. And you're already labeled. Now, when you get back to your question, Mike, you're in there hoping for the best. What I can say is I had way more opportunity than the other four, and I was the only one to move on to a real contract after the first contract was over. So I was very fortunate. They saw enough in my matches to where my first big match was I was undefeated against The Undertaker, on live Monday Night Raw. And you know, remember like it was yesterday. I walked into the building. 
Kevin Kelly, who was a good friend of mine, the announcer, he goes, big one tonight, big one tonight. I'm thinking like, you know, what do you mean? What's, what are you not telling me? He goes, you and Taker over two live segments with meaning two commercial breaks, 15 minutes. I'm like, Jesus Christ, that's a freaking eternity. That is, that is a is long a time. That is an eternity in live wrestling. Eternity. I said, well, you know what? I'm going to bring it because this is my chance to prove myself. They wouldn't be putting me in this match if I'm going to F everything up against Taker, who's the top guy in the company. They trust me more than they, you know, again, we're screwing shit up. There's nothing they can do if uh, it's live TV. It was a, and I could say, you know, it's a great match. I still could watch that match a hundred more times and still love it because it's everything he wanted to do. I put stuff in. I was comfortable. I stayed in character. I mean, I'm sitting there at the time, the Macarena, Danielle, you remember the Macarena was, well, <laughs> it was the most popular, you know, all this shit, right? It was the most popular song at the time. So I would involve it in my matches whenever I could. I'm on live television beating the shit out of The Undertaker. He's selling, and I, I go into the Macarena, the whole deal. And it's like, if I wasn't comfortable, I don't know what I was. I was out of my mind is probably what I was. I'm about to Google that video when we're done. <laughs> it's on there. It's on there. I love it. I still love that match. But, yeah, so after that was Shawn Michaels. He was the world champ at the time, and Jose Lothario was his manager. Same thing. They gave me everything in the match, Northern Light Suplex, everything, everything under the sun. And I was like, this stuff doesn't happen if they don't trust you. The other guys didn't get this chance. And None think the other about, guys got the Think chance. about the names you mentioned, too, that didn't make the second round. Those are some big names in wrestling, so it's pretty impressive what you did. They're, they're respected names, Mike. They're respected. Right. Absolutely. Quick question. Freddie Joe Floyd. There's not a person in this world with anything bad to say about Tracy Smothers. Nope. And Alex Porto could go with the best of them. Um, you know, Bill Irwin, I felt bad because he was in his heyday, like with the long riders and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. This whole gimmick in WWF was a rib. This hockey goon, and they put him in these stupid, stupid, you know, wrestling boots. That were, were shaped like, uh, you know, like hockey <laughs> hockey skates. And then Tony Anthony, they didn't give him a chance to shine with that gimmick. I mean, he was kind of like a, you know, just a 70s heel there. He, he wasn't able to do anything with that plunger, you know, the, the plumber gimmick. They were just extra hands. I was happy. They gave me a sweet outfit. They gave me sweet colors. They gave me, and, and the only regret, I wish they kept me heel longer. Because the longer you went, as soon as my music hit, you know how the you see it on still to this day, people's music hit, and crowd reacts, mm. and it was getting over the whole heel thing was getting over. Even though there were mostly losses, I controlled the match, I got all my shit in, and as a heel, that's how you get over. Yeah, you know. Can I, can I ask you how did Sean? treat you we hear a lot of really poor stories about him how did he treat you in your time in the wwe well 
you know, it was it was kind of like in school when you have the cool kids and you're not one of them. So him and um, Triple H and China, like when you got them by themselves, China was a sweetheart. Triple H was cool enough until he started to get persuaded. And then Sean was always like, yeah, one-on-one, hi and goodbye and whatever else. Sean knows, Sean was never a tough guy. Sean's never a guy that's going to beat anybody up in a fight. Whether you're an enhancement guy, whether you're a world champ, or whether you're a, you're 20 years older than him, you're still going to beat the shit out of him. Sean knew that. Sean would never, like Bret Hart would have freaking, he did kill him. I mean, I was there the night they broke him up in the locker room. They got in a fight. Bret beat the shit out of him. But, yeah, but, no, it's Sean. When we wrestled, it was funny. Because I was nervous because I couldn't find him. So we were, I was looking for him. The the match was coming up. I mean, it was probably only had maybe <clears throat> like 20 or 30 minutes before our match. And I'm like shit in my pants. I'm like, where the freak is he? He obviously didn't give a shit. He was going to go in there and just do whatever. So I finally got with him, finally gave him everything. And then, um, I had everything planned out in my head. He was fine with it. He just went with the flow. Like I had the whole match in my head, meaning his stuff and my stuff. And he was, but he was very like, it's funny. Like he was kind of uninterested. So I kind of made him interested. So like we're in the match and I, I really, I have a real heavy chop. I chopped the shit out of him. Right. And I didn't care. It's like, this is what you're supposed to do. If you have a problem with it, get another hobby, get, get another hobby. Get another profession. So, like, the whole key about being a good wrestler, lay it in where you're supposed to lay it in and be safe where you're supposed to be. It's supposed to be safe. So, boom, chop the shit out of him. Come back, set him up, something, something, something. Northern Light Suplex, right? He had no clue. He, he I think he shit his pants, right? Jose Lothario was his manager. At the end of the match, the whole deal. So, his progression of, like, the whatever, the elbow off the top, the super kick, whatever, hit all those moves one after the other, perfect. Everything was perfect. Everything was perfect. But at least he knew who he was He was in there with. And I was so happy to – and, you know, he came up to me. Afterwards, I, I know I gained his respect because he couldn't come up to me fast enough, the big hug. Never gave me the time of day before that, but once we wrestled, I gained his respect. Good story, man. Good story. Little prima but, donna, he was sounded like. <laughs> yeah, but he was a champ, and he was pushed, and he was loved, and they and he did he couldn't do no wrong, which it was what it was. But again, Mike, to answer your question, I know those kind signs of what, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly, Mike. To, getting back to your first question, it all that's how it kind of that's where it went. So they control all that. I still think because they we had that label to start with. I did everything I could possibly do to get as far as I could possibly get. Um, and then when they turned me babyface, that was a kiss of death. Because after I got done with the, 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 the couple months with Mero, which was great, then you fall into that trap of we don't have anything for you. So they start jobbing you, and that's when I, I gave them my notice. I gave them my notice. I said, now it's personal because now you're using my real name. Right. Sal Sincere was a fictional character. Do whatever you want. When they turn me babyface and I'm Tom Brandy, 
and I'm going to start losing. No, 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 no. That's over. It's over because I had too much value in the open market, like as a free agent with the independence and everything. You're not going to job me out on national TV as myself, as a baby face. Then you're worthless. Then you're worthless. Good for you. So I turned my notice in a few months later, and that was it. I mean, altogether, I got probably four. I got I got four years out of it because there was a long stretches of time where they pay you when you're not wrestling. So you just sit home, sit home and take the, take the money. So, Tom, that's a gutsy move, though, because I'm assuming you made pretty decent, you know, scratch working for them. So you stepping away, weren't you in fear of like, oh, man. No, it was so time. Like, it was time. You know why? Because the, that's when the, uh, the, the attitude here was red hot. The indies were on fire. My first month on the indies as a free agent, I had 16 dates. I still have everything. I, I keep the uh, desk calendars from all the years. You know, you write everything down. My first month on the indies, I had 16 bookings my first month. And that was a month of August. And in the next month, I had like 12. And it stayed wow. 12 and 10s and 12s and, and 12s. And that's why I knew that it was time to go. Um, it was time to leave there. They weren't doing anything with me anymore. Babyface was the kiss of death. And they had no, they had no plans. I wasn't going to keep showing up at TV and just keep getting beat. It was not going to happen. Wasn't going to happen. It was time. You, you had a very famous moment with uh, Mark Merrill. What? Um, how do I want to say? Who calls you out? Who came up with that? They do. They just pull shit out of their ass. So like the whole like <laughs> jabroni, you know, the whole jabroni thing. They probably came up with that ten minutes before the show. Um, at the time, it was like Vince Russo, and he was trying to be cutting edge. He was trying to expose the business. You know, again, this is the remember we're on the Monday Night Wars. This is this is this is blood and guts time now. This is go for the jugular time now. So you're trying to pull shit out where you're trying to get reactions on social media and say, oh my God, you know they use the word jabroni on TV. Oh my God, they're exposing the business. Oh my God, I can't believe it. So yeah, they would every every week they would try and one up something else hadn't been done, and um, it turned me babyface and then i got a good like three months run uh with mark marrow and sable which was great because it, to this day that's what everybody remembers i'll say it's one of your most famous moments <laughs> yeah and it was fun because i got to back <clears throat> back to being a babyface and he had just turned heel so um i was a babyface my whole life <clears throat> he was new at being heel so it was uh it was fun it was so much fun because we had really good matches and the problem was they moved him on to an angle with uh, Luna and Goldust and then I had, they had nothing for me so that was the beginning of the end and I just didn't want to you know, again I probably stayed another whatever six months or whatever it was but then there was the writing was on the wall and, and and every time like I tried to quit Bruce Pritchard's like no you know hang in there and it was only a couple of times but still it was like have patience but then when you talk to other guys, they're telling the other guys that too. You know, guys that were like like wanted out of there. Um, they're saying, you know, be patient because the key back then, they didn't want to lose you to WCW because everybody that was available was signed to one co company or the other. Your Every free agent was worth something. 
They just wanted you under contract so the other company couldn't get you. So that's pretty now, much. But yeah, with Marrow, Sable. Um, I'll say the Sable. Best Sable, Sable, Sable's a bit of a diva later on in her career. How was she with you back then? Oh, no, she was normal. She was great. She, Mark didn't let her out of his sight because he knew there were guys like Shawn Michaels who were trying to get her in the sack. And literally, like, she'd go to the bathroom and he'd be standing outside the door. Like, you never, ever, ever, ever saw her by herself, whether she was doing promos, whether she was in the hotel. They were together 24 hours a day. But, no, she was always nice. I mean, she, you know, we, we hung out together and stuff like that. But Mark was a great guy, and, and she was a great girl. Nothing bad. Yeah, then she got in Playboy after that, and, you know, and everything else, you know, with Brock Lesnar and everything, that was way after me. So. And you can't yeah, blame Mark cool. for not, not getting angry over Brock, right? What was he going to do about that, right? <laughs> no, seriously, right? They, they were, <laughs> they were done by then anyway. Yeah, they were, they were done by then. I don't remember how they broke up or whatever, but they were done by then anyway. Hey, Tom, use the Patriot character. Uh, I think Del Wilkes was the original Patriot. Um, how did you end up getting rights to that character? So to take a step back prior to Del Wilkes, Patriot was a well-known character in Memphis. He actually was a tag team. So like when people mentioned Del, Del was the first to use it like in Global and then, you know, like WCW and stuff. So he, he got the furthest with it, but there were other regional Patriots. Like, if you look it up, Mike, it's actually fact. Jerry Lawler back in the day created a comic book because he's an artist. He created a Patriot comic book that he published for, I don't know how long, for years, I guess. And it was a professional wrestler called The Patriot. And this is years and years and years and years ago. And then he created the Patriot Tag Team in Memphis. So the story with, that revolves around the Patriot, um, back in 1998, we were doing these uh, Army Base shows. The promoter's name was Tom Shade out of Missouri. And they were sponsored by, now I'm going to see if you remember this. Remember 1-800-COLLECT? Yes. Danielle won't remember. She's too young. She's too. She's too. She's too young for that. Are you kidding me? (laughs) No, I just said I'm not that young. I remember 1800 Collect. Lies. So 1-800-COLLECT was a mega, 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 mega fortune, you know, company back then. So they were the sponsor. So we were doing army bases all over the country, and I was out at WWF, and I was wrestling as myself as a um was i uh it i was like that and, pink on you uh, it's always been my color um me and brian you remember brian lee yeah so brian lee i think he was was he the heel i think i was the heel so anyway we had hockey tonk man we had jake roberts we had uh brian knobs brian lee uh now umaga at the time, was wrestling under the gimmick as Sultan, because he, he his brother gave him the Sultan gimmick just to get expo- get ring time before he got his WWE or F or whatever. So 
he was on the shows as the Sultan. So they had uh, uh, Samu was on. Who else? Samu, a young Chris um, Christopher Daniels, like in his rookie year. Christopher Daniels was on them. So anyway, um, Honky Tonk Man said to Tom Shady, "So we need to come up with a character. We're we're in front of two thousand soldiers. We need a patriot gimmick. We need some, you know, red, white, and blue something." So they reached out to Dell, and Dell said, look, I'm done. He goes, I've had all these surgeries. I have all these torn tendons and ligaments. He goes, I'm completely done. Not even one of those stand in the corner and be a tag team. He says, I'm completely done. So he says, use it. You know, you, he goes, I, I, I had it, you know, I'm done with it. Use the character. He says, you have my approval, whatever you guys need to do have my approval to do whatever you want to do with it so again they reached out to him and he like i said he was we were even in his hometown and he couldn't he didn't even come out for that one so anyway tom shade says to me he goes just go get well honky honky tonk man was id he said listen just go get a mask and some trunks half-ass it you can wrestle twice on the same show nobody will know any different and make extra money so that's what i did i went and got the mask and, you know, for me, I, I got to look good. I, I want to look – so I, I got a good outfit. You I do look good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wanted to do – like, I've always been about trying to be professional. So get the outfit, get the good mask. Because early on, it, it wasn't – it wasn't you know, I had this cheaper material or whatever. It wasn't good, so I got good stuff. Anyway, we're in front of – I think anything you try, you make look good. <laughs> try my best. <laughs> So we're in front of 2,000 soldiers, and I'm wrestling Sultan. And it was so f- easy, so much fun. I mean, needless to say, the USA and the Sultan and just a match made in heaven. So I knew Dell. We were on uh, tours to Japan together. I knew Dell from WWE. So, like, nothing was ever said for years, and now – September was my 25th anniversary that I've been doing this character. People think it's been like five or six years. September's 25 years. And probably for the first, I don't know how many years, Dell never said a word. Somebody crawled up his, his wife's ass and they, they start doing, apparently they needed money, so they start doing conventions, start doing like uh, blogs. And then all of a sudden, 20 years later, he's like bad mouthing me. I'm like, dude, I'm easily, I'm easy to find. My phone never rang, never got a text, never even, never got cursed out ever face to face. It was always some bullshit on some guy's podcast. So I just went about my business. I said, if it wasn't me, and don't get me wrong, there's been guys in different areas that'll just throw an outfit on a Patreon and call them the Patriot. So. The rights to it, Honky Tonk Man had a idea that his lawyer had given him. He said, he was feuding with Vince at the time. He said, go out for $250, you can get a trademark and just take it over if it's not being claimed. So he went out, he got about a half dozen of them. He got the Patriot, he got Brutus Beefcake, he Hmm. got the Nasty Boys, he got, I think, Jim Duggan, if I'm not mistaken, Jake Roberts. And 
he he owned like six to ten copyrights, trademarks, whatever, for for years, and then like at last, renew it two hundred fifty bucks, renew it, renew it, renew it, and he told people he said, I gave Tom the Patriot. Tom's going to be the only guy that does it. If he wanted to be a real prick, and if Del Wilkes wanted to do it, he could be a prick and tell Del, sorry, you can't even do it. Right. Sorry, but never never came to that. So anyway, my thing was. I never tried to go mainstream with it. It's a little spot show gimmick that we use here in the Northeast. And that's as much as we've ever done with it. I've never got on a plane and traveled anywhere with it. I've never tried to put it on TNA or one of these companies that have television. Strictly a spot show gimmick. I tell people when Dell was, was a little crabby down the stretch, I said, listen, you want to get in your car and drive up from South Carolina and wrestle in front of 50 people like I'm doing, knock yourself out. That's it. That's simple. All right, Tom, we've kept you a long time. I want to hit you with uh, Daniela's final question. It used to be called Farrow's final question, but now it's Daniela's final question. I have no idea what she's going to ask you. It's unscripted. I'm sure it's something that will make you feel uncomfortable, though. That's for sure. Uh (laughs) Why do you always feel like I make people feel uncomfortable? Good. That's good. Out of all the female wrestlers you have ever encountered or wrestled with, who would you pick to have been your love interest? Oof, nice. That's a good question because that is a good question. The the ones in WC. So I I always loved um, Kim Page. I loved her in WCW. She was definitely the best. Um. Always loved Marlena in WWE. Um, there wasn't a lot there when I was there. They all came kind of after I was done. So, like, I don't know the, the, the younger generation. Okay, we'll make, it, we'll make it a little fair, too. Even if you want to choose present day, even if it wasn't someone you've actually worked with or encountered, but present day like, could be NXT, like besides, could besides be ACW, you? anyone. Like, besi- besides you? <laughs> Oh, well, look out. Besides I you. never wrestle. I only date them. You know what? Wahoo, Wahoo's wife takes my other one partner, and now fucking Tom Brandy taking my other. I'm a big partner. I'm just saying, I can't wait for training camp in March. I'm going to be counting down training camp for March. <laughs> no, so um, I got to I gotta go with the ones I was around because now – like when you look at you look at like the ones that are on TV, even the ones like Trish Stratus was after me. Um, like I give you an example, Mickey James. I knew her from when she was just starting out, so I, I don't look at her the same way. And girls like uh, Lita, I knew when she first started out, so I don't look at her the same way. I knew them when they were just indie girls. Um, same with Sunny. I knew Sunny when she was sitting in the front row, and Chris Candido was like in his first year of wrestling, and she was there with him. So like I never and Sonny was the hottest thing when I was in WWE. She was beyond on fire. This is right before kind of like before Sable a little bit. She was absolutely on fire. But I never looked at her. I was never attracted to her. Just because of how I knew her from all those years on the Indies. Um Are you trying to yeah, say, I mean, Tom, oh, the Indies were the same as when she moved up the ranks? She was the same type of person? Who's that, Tam, uh, Tammy? Tammy? Yeah. I just looked at her different. It's almost like a little sister type. Not, gotcha. not, never looked at her. I was never attracted to her. 
just because she was always with Chris and now she was starting to get around and it was just like I couldn't have had less yeah, in, any her. less interest. She's starting to get around. <laughs> yeah, I mean I couldn't have had any less interest. But again, she doesn't come into play. Uh Marlena always did it for me. Um Kim Page always did it for me. So I'm trying to think who else. By the way, Terry was Terry. One. You're making a, a roster. <laughs> T- Tom, Terry was in studio a couple weeks ago. She's a pretty impressive person. I really found I really liked her a lot. Who said Oh, great person. <laughs> no, no, there's another you can never say a bad word about her. She was she always was great. Always was great. Her um never had a problem with any of them. Like even China, like I was there the first day that China came in, right? And she was sitting at the gorilla position. Nobody knew who the hell she was. They're like, who is this freak? Who is this? Like, we all thought she was a dude. She had those features, right? She had those, like, all these masculine features. Like, they made her look more feminine. But when she came in, I mean, all that growth hormone she was on, she looked like a dude. And everybody's like, they're they're like... And that's when she looked good. Like when she got implants and they made her, they, they trimmed down her jawbone. They made her look more feminine. And then she got in Playboy. She looked great. Yeah. But when she started, like this is before they hired her. I was there for her tryout. We were in Florida. This is like when she just came to meet everybody. And we're like, who is that? She was a freak. I mean, we would we would have bet it was a guy. I would have bet you it was a dude. Absolutely. Is that a dude? <laughs> dude looks like a lady. Uh-oh, dude look looks like a lady. Every bit of it. Every All bit right. of it. No. But she was always cool. We always got along. She was always, she could have been any nicer. Like she was, she had that voice. Remember her voice? It was very a little bit of a lisp. Yeah, like she had a little bit of a lisp. She was always nice. All right, Tom. I want to thank you again. Fantastic. Thank you for taking the time thank out. You, I husband. am sorry about the fills, my Absolutely. friend. Absolutely. What a pleasure. Uh, have a great Mike, weekend. I'm going to send you something for Danielle. You got it, my friend. Or you could just contact her directly. You can contact me personally, <laughs> baby. You don't need to go through him. All right. <laughs> I'm just a pawn in this game, Tom. A pawn I'm in this just game. I'm your DM. I'm going to send you this video. Oh, you know, as Daniela gets more used to this interview style, I'm just going to turn on the cameras and go home and just let her have at it. Now, she's I don't an, know. I didn't know. Obviously, I didn't do anything with Pharaoh, but obviously, she's an asset to the show. She is certainly. Oh, she has two assets for the show. One, you know, <laughs> could be that too. However, we want to say. What, let me ask. Let me ask last question. Sure. How did you get involved in the show? How did Daniela? Yeah. Go ahead, kid. Might as well break it down. <laughs> so he, um, he, I swore I was only going to do one interview about my breakup with Matt Riddle. And out of all the people that reached out to me, the conversation that I had with Mike made me feel the most comfortable. And like, that's, that's how it, it, it all started. He did my interview on my relationship with Matt Riddle. Cool. How long ago was that? Ooh, last year? Mm. No. Oh, my God. Almost like 
two years. Is it two years? Two years. Yeah, it could be. Almost could a be. year and a half. Yeah. How, long, how, long have you, how long have you been doing the show for? Oh. Five weeks, maybe? Yeah, five or five or six weeks. Oh, that's cool. She's cool. doing well. She's doing well. Cool. I mean, Farrow's missed. Well, Farrow's great. But, you know, this kid's got talent. I know? can't feel like it. I would never want someone to try to fill my shoes, and I will never try to fill anyone else's shoes. He has his awesome, unique style, and then I'm just that random clusterfuck that they like to throw in. <laughs> well, it works. Thanks, it works. Tom. It does. Um, it Mike, really does. Uh, I'm sure like Mitch, Mitch will be very happy. Like I'll, listen, right. Mitch, Mitch will call me tomorrow, critique me, tell me what I did wrong <laughs> and right. And, you know, I get it every what's, week. So it's like. What's he, what's he going to say? Give me an example. He's going to go, man, you got to stop with that dialogue in the beginning and get right to the guest because everybody just wants to hear the guest. And I'm like. Mitch, every show starts with a dialogue, right? It's like get the guests warmed up, kind of get a feeling what the hosts are about, be a little different, and then Mitch Some of our just... guests get shocked, though. They're like, oh, my God, the shit that I was just listening to you guys talk about. <laughs> but it, it is hard to argue with Mitch because he is a very famous pitch man, right? So oh, he does know his he's, stuff. He's, he's the most famous pitch man. Absolutely. And a, and a damn good guy, too. Yeah. All right, Tom. God bless. Thank you again. Ooh, Take care, guys. Night, there. babe. <laughs> wow. So what do you think, D? I'm waiting for March. Great guy. Great guy. i got to wait for that training camp. Meet my future ex-husband. So before we go, I want to say kudos for you week by week. You get better and better. Listen, no matter whatever happens with this show, you're a natural. You should always continue this on. You have you have it, kid. I'm just telling you. I know talent, and you got the talent. I appreciate it. Have a great night. I got to figure out what I'm going to – I think I might need to, like, step out tonight with this very costume on. Uh, I, like, I think like... you should. I definitely think you I feel should. like Olivia Newton and John meets like a festival child. Like, <laughs> I want to thank Tom Brandy, incredible wrestler, incredible human being. Every time I meet these guys, they just they just blow me away. Uh, I want to just give some shout outs to the family. Lately, we haven't been doing it. Davio, Yarde, Roy, Jay, Will, Loose, the man, Matthew Holland, Jason Morning, R.J. Hudson, Phil DeCessere. Uh, former champion of the previous show, the first lady of professional wrestling, Maria Davis, the player, Benny Scala, Jay Will. Who else have I got in the house? Hayes Machine, good to see you. Um, I think I said Roy. I think I got almost everybody. If I didn't get everybody, I love you all. I want to thank ESO for moderating the page and keeping people off. I think that will be the new way I'll go. And... Uh, Daniela, I want to thank you, and uh, would you like to do this next week? <laughs> uh, duh. I don't know that anyone could top Tom, though. Tom, Tom. I won't let you down. Send us out, Tom Daniela. Bye, guys. See you next week. <laughs>